Welcome to The Portable Pastor, a podcast of relevant biblical teaching, linking ancient truth with today's challenges. Each week, Pastor Mike will share God's Word to help you and remind you that God is pro-you. So download the outline from fbcclover.life and get ready to hear today's teaching. Here's Pastor Mike. Well, hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in again. We are looking at the essential doctrines of our faith. In this part of the series, we've been looking at salvation, and today we're going to look at justification. But let's recap our study thus far. We, we understand the doctrine of salvation is, is a process or a progression that God takes us through to change us and prepare us for eternity. The first part of that process happens when God extends grace to us. Ephesians 2.10 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Grace literally means receiving the kindness of God when a person doesn't, doesn't deserve it. He does absolutely nothing to earn it. Well, the second step of our salvation progression involves the act of repentance. We learn that God grants repentance, that our sorrow, if it's a godly sorrow, it leads us to repentance, that repentance includes a a turning away from our sin towards God, and that we know that repentance is real if it results in godly living. Now, the third element we looked at in the process of salvation is faith. We learned that true saving faith always involves a knowledge, a knowledge of, of the gospel. And, and we approve it and affirm that it is true about Jesus. It also includes placing our trust in him to save us from the penalty of our sin. We learned that faith can be an assurance that my, my trust in him is real. We learned that Jesus earned our faith. It does not originate in us. That Jesus is the founder and perfecter of our faith. And the fourth step in the salvific process is, is regeneration. We learned that regeneration is the act of God in transforming our lives into a new creation. We call it being born again. It begins after the saving grace of God is extended to us and it ends after a sinner's faith is is placed in Jesus. Regeneration should cause us to understand a few things. It, it could, should cause us to understand our duality and, and help us to make spiritual choices. We are both new nature and old nature fighting one another in this body. So the response to regeneration will be realized in our actions because we can discern between the two natures. It should also cause us to separate the physical from the spiritual and follow the urgings of the spirit. This is realized in our, in our worldview. We see things through spiritual lens now. And so we should follow the urging of the spirit. Regeneration is an awesome thing and it causes us to be thankful and worship God. Now understand that the only one of these elements that we've talked about in this progression of salvation is, is solely on our job list. That the only one is is repentance. Uh, the element of faith is a task that is for both God and us. God gives us faith, and we turn place that faith 
in Jesus. The element of grace is on his list. There's nothing we could do to earn it. The element of regeneration is on his list. We can't become something new, a new creation. In fact, the, the remainder of the elements, justification, adoption, sanctification, they're all on God's task list. And today, we're going to look at justification. R.C. Sproul once said, I'm afraid that in the United States of America today, the prevailing doctrine of justification is not justification by faith alone. It's not even justification by good works or by a combination of faith and works. The prevailing notion, he says, of justification in our culture today is justification by death. All one has to do to be received into the everlasting arms of God is to die. I think he's right in that assessment. I think he's spot on for the average American. Most people in our country do not believe that being justified by faith in Christ is the only way for us to stand guiltless before God. They, they, they don't even believe good works or faith have anything to do with it. If they did, let's, let's face it, our culture would look very, very different. Most people think that when we die, that, you know, we just go to heaven. They would say, I've lived a pretty good life. Yep, heaven's the place for me, and I'm going to go up there and rest and hang out with God, and that's where I'll be when I die. Well, let me just go ahead and tell you, they are indeed misinformed. In their, in their ignorance of the truth, many are going to end up in a, in a sinner's hell, separated from God for forever. Most folks don't grasp the enormity of justification by faith. Now, Dr. Grudem, you know, we're reading his theology book right now together. Dr. Grudem says a right understanding of justification is an absolutely crucial, it's absolutely crucial to the whole Christian faith. Do you realize when, when Martin Luther separated from the Catholic Church and began the Protestant Reformation, it was all over this issue of justification? That's how big this is. If we fail to grasp this important salvation element, we miss out on one of the key attributes of God. And, and, and in fact, we, we will fail to see that we are sealed. We are sealed in our eternal fate in the heavenlies with Him in the first place. We're going to miss that. You see, <coughs> excuse me, God is a just God. He is a loving God. Sorry, I had to get a drink. Is a loving and gracious and merciful God. But He is a He's a just God. The sin in our lives prove that we're guilty. And those spiritual crimes have they have to be dealt with. And and I mean think about it. Spiritual forgiveness is dependent upon justice being served. Otherwise, there is no forgiveness. Justification is a very big deal. So what exactly is justification? Well, John MacArthur in his sermon entitled uh, Justification by Faith, said, he said this about it. In biblical terms, justification is a divine verdict of not guilty, fully righteous. It is the reversal of God's attitude towards the sinner. Whereas he formerly condemned, he now vindicates. Although the sinner once lived under God's wrath, as a believer, he or she is now under God's blessing. I think he's spot on there. That means a guilty sinner is tried and found not guilty by God. And not only that, but he's declared righteous by that same judge. Think about it this way. Before the trial, 
God was convinced of a sinner's guilt and ready to drop the hammer of justice down on him. <laughs> but, but something happened and the sinner was declared not guilty. In fact, he was declared righteous and released free from the accusation of sin to be fully in God's fellowship, God's presence. Now, I want to, I want to preach the rest of this sermon in a, in a slightly different format. I want you to use your imagination. I want you to present the, I want to present the truth of the scriptures in a more narrative form today. Let's imagine that today you're being tried before the judge of the universe for a court case to determine your guilt. Okay. And, 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 and to determine how much of an eternal sentence you're going to uh, be, you know, be slapped with. Well, the rest of us are sitting in the courtroom watching the proceedings and we're listening to every word, but this is all about you. I can't even imagine the anxiety as all rise is spoken in that formal setting. And after the judge says, be seated, you, you breathe deeply because you know you are being tried before a judge who knows absolutely everything you ever did. So how will it turn out? Are you confident now that that all will end well for you and, and you'll just live out eternity in, in heaven? Let me tell you, in that courtroom, the air is thick. It's thick with, with trepidation as, as the court reporter hands your exhaustive file to the judge. As he reads over the case, the only sound in the room is the court reporter typing every detail. We're going to see in this sermon today how your case plays out. Turn with me to Romans chapter 3, verse 23 and 24. We love the book of Romans. It is rich with doctrine and so encouraging to us. It explains so much of what we are dealing with. However, back to the drama, this passage doesn't paint a good picture of your court case. The judge finally looks up and says, Mr. Prosecutor, what is your argument against this man? He stands to his feet but never makes eye contact with the judge. He never even looks up. He simply reads the law. Verse 23, For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He, he sits down. He turns and looks at you with that wicked grin on your face. He knows you are guilty. And the silence in the room is, is deafening. Your heart sinks into your gut. He just delivered a, a hurtful bit of truth about you, didn't he? You are guilty. You know it. We know it. But more importantly, the judge knows it. We're all just waiting for the gavel of justice to drop. What, it, what else is there to say? We know what has to be done. If we equate sin with crime, we are criminals. And the Bible is clear. Spiritual criminals earn death. There's a long pause in the courtroom, in the case. The judge looks up with you, looks up at you with contempt. And he turns to your attorney for a rebuttal. And he rises to his feet. And he says, that's a good point. He, he's right, judge. What? Are you kidding me? Did your attorney just affirm the prosecutor's case? Your lawyer looks downward. He's dejected for a moment. He can't lie for you. But then he goes on to say, but read the rest of the law, judge. Verse 24, 
and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Now there's a murmuring in the room. He just said that justification is a gift, a divine gift, whereby the judge finds the sinner not guilty. Could that apply to you? If the judge decides to do this, that would be an awesome gift, wouldn't it? I mean, you are guilty, but he he could render a not guilty verdict. Why? Because the law says there is redemption found in Christ Jesus. The law says that justification is available because of Jesus' death. That's what the law says. And your legal counsel knows that Jesus lived a sinless life. And he died a sinner's death anyway. Jesus is available and ready to assume the sentence for anyone who is found guilty. There may yet still be hope for you. Now turn to Romans 4, chapter 1. Now your lawyer is called upon to begin his formal argument for your, for your innocence. So he stands back to his feet. He straightens his jacket. He moves to the center of the floor. He looks at the audience first and says... What then shall we say was gained by Abraham, our forefather, according to the flesh? For if Abraham was justified by works, he has something to boast about, but not before God. Your attorney turns, looks at the judge, and, and continues in verse 3. For what does the scripture say? Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. Now to the one who works, his wages are not counted as a gift, but as his due. And he turns and he looks right at you. And to the one who does not work, but believes in him who justifies the ungodly, his faith is counted as righteousness. There is a long moment of silence in the courtroom. All of us are, are pondering that argument. He goes on to explain, Abraham was a justified man even though he was just a man. So justification for a sinner is possible, judge. The lawyer looks at the crowd and says loud enough for the whole room to hear, we are not justified by works. There's a stir in the audience. Silence, says the judge. Your lawyer looks at the judge and continues, you're not asking about our good works, right? That would be pointless. We were made to live rightly in the first place. We shouldn't earn anything for those works. That was already our duty. There's no way our justification can be based on them. But judge, what if my client had faith? What if he had faith as well as works, judge? Turn to Romans 5 chapter 1 or Romans chapter 5 verses 1 and 9. Your attorney continues, your law book says, "Therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. There's another stir in the audience, a louder one this time, and, and everyone who can hear loves the statement, we are justified by faith. After the judge pounds the gavel and orders the room to be silent, the, the, the attorney continues looking right at the judge. Verse 9, since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Another moment of silence. The judge begins to grin 
as he's staring in awe at that crafty lawyer and, and, and the crowd starts whispering again while, while never taking their eyes off the judge. They're in awe of this lawyer too. And he just said with complete boldness to the judge, justification gives us peace with God. Now turn to Romans chapter 8 verse 30. The lawyer goes on. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. Wow, what what judge could argue with that? That's the law. God justifies. The lawyer turns and looks at you. And he continues, God often declares the guilty innocent. He looks at the dark sin in a sinner's heart, and if that sinner is in the family, God sees that dark heart through the blood of Jesus and finds no guilt there. (laughs) He's so good. He winks at you and he says, in essence, you know, I I got this. I got this. He turns again to the judge while pointing at you. This sinner, this sinner received saving grace. This sinner received, repented of sin. He turned from being his own Lord and trusting, he trusted Jesus to be Lord of his life. This sinner placed faith in the Son of God to save them from the consequences of their sin. And this sinner has been made into a new creation by the Spirit of God. Judge, this sinner is saved and I am interceding for him for I am the Son of God who created him and chose him before the foundation of the world to be mine. Judge, he is mine and I am attesting that although he is guilty, I took the sentence of his guilt. And the audience stands and goes crazy. They're cheering. They're chanting the lawyer's name. There had to be a dozen gavel drops this time. The prosecutor is screaming at the judge, demanding a mistrial. The bailiffs are laughing and the reporters are dancing. Then the judge of the universe simply claps his hands. One time. And there's silence again in the room. The judge looks right at you and asks, "What, what do you have to say about this? I guess this is your moment. You stand in reverence and you straighten your jacket and you say with a small yet humble and confident voice, verse 31, what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he will not also be with him be graciously And graciously give us all things. The crowd is only nodding in agreement, fearful of another condemnation by the judge. Because, I mean, let's be honest, we all know that the judge can do what he wants to do. Let's not make him mad. He's close to making a decision and no one can reverse his decision. The judge looks down at the file for a moment and then looks at the prosecutor. And he says, I find this sinner... To be no ordinary person, he is an elect. Verse 33, who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who is interceding for them. I find that this sinner 
was chosen by God before the universe was spoken into being. And moreover, he is represented by my son who vouches for his salvation. So I find no fault in him. And furthermore, I find that he is righteous. Then he looks at your attorney and he says, well done, my son. And then he looks at you. You're my good and faithful servant. Come and enter into your rest. You just won your court case. Understand, you just won your court case because Jesus defended your justification. That's how it will go down in your trial before the Father if you are saved. You know, without realizing it, we just learned the all of the elements of justification in this drama. You are guilty of sin. Justification is a gift from God. It is available because Christ's death after uh, uh, Christ's death after living a sinless life gave that to you. We are not justified by our works. We can only be justified by faith. Justification gives us peace with God. He justifies us and no one can reverse his decision. Not only that, but Jesus defends your justification before God the Father. What awesome truth. What are we to do with this truth? Well, depending on where we are concerning our faith, we might do a couple of different things. If you're a lost person, if you do not have a relationship with God and and He's never changed into a new being, you need to place your faith in Jesus right now. And then be prepared to be found not guilty before God. If you do not do that, you will stand before God without someone interceding on your behalf and He will find you guilty of sin. And the consequences will be everlasting apart from His presence. I don't think you want that. I think you want an attorney that will stand before God and say, I attest, I took His punishment, He's one of ours. And if you want that, simply pray this prayer with me. Dear God, I know I'm guilty and I want Jesus. I want Jesus as my advocate. I'll let him be Lord of my life. He'll make every decision. God, I just want to be right with you and sealed for eternity in your presence. Would you forgive my sin? Come into my life. I'll follow you. I'll chase you. I'll learn everything I can about you. But God, please save me. And I'm asking this in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, you have been assigned an advocate. It's Jesus himself who intercedes on your behalf with God. You are in, you are saved. Now you need to learn about him. Grow in him. Follow him. Chase him. Let him change your life. But if you're already a Christian, what do you do with this truth of what we learned today? Well, you might need to adjust the motives for your, for doing good works. Are you still trying to earn grace? Are you still trying to earn salvation? Earn his love? Stop doing that. You cannot do it. It's a gift. Receive the gift and then start doing those good works out of gratitude, not out of duty. Adjust your motives. And and definitely be thankful. 
Thankful that God gave you saving faith. Thankful that you didn't have to earn justification. Thankful that Jesus died for it. And thankful that you are going to be justified by the highest judge of all. Oh, you need to be thankful today. Well, I hope that was an encouragement to you. I hope that was eye-opening to you. I hope that you can live out your faith in a big way today. But I hope that God shows out in your life and he's gracious with others as he has been with, with you. Let me pray for you, then I'll bid you good day. Father, I ask that you bless every person listening to this today. Bless them with peace that comes from being justified with you by their faith, which also comes from you. God, I, I thank you that you were in full control of this process. Help us to learn of it and to grow in it and to be able to share it. We'll give you glory for it. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Well, thanks for listening. Hope you have a great day. Remember, if you're in Him, He is pro you. Thanks for listening to the Portable Pastor Podcast. Pastor Mike serves as pastor at the First Baptist Church in Clover, South Carolina. FBC Clover is a church that focuses on loving God, loving people, and making disciples. For more information about our church and our ministries, or to make an online donation, go to fbcclover.com or email us at fbcclover at gmail.com. Until next time, be blessed. And remember, God is pro-you.